Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Daily Thread. Excited to have you here. Boy, oh boy, do we have some stories for you. Welcome to this program. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to kick off this show. And, and I, and I want to say that before we get into the meat and potatoes of this story, we hope to have on tomorrow's episode this guest who in which we're talking about today. Um, the story broke this morning via Yeshiva World, but um, it also was on his Twitter page as well. And that is, I'm talking about the from lobbyist as a Friedlander who met with people who are notoriously anti-Semitic, Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. Um, he met with them in DC, I believe, at, a, at an event. Um, I We'll, we'll hear again. We're going to hear from him tomorrow, hopefully on this program. He'll be joining us, so we'll be able to discuss it with him. But I'm going to read to you the the headline that Yeshiv World has, um, and we'll sort of dissect this story and, and talk about it a little bit. Uh, the headline reads: "Reckless from lobbyist seeks to build a relationship with notoriously anti-Semitic Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib." In a brain-melting, reckless, reckless move that smacks of self-promotion and delusion, a prominent from Democratic lobbyist publicly blared his attempt to build a relationship with, Repu- with reps Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, whose virulently anti-Semitic histories have shocked Jews worldwide. It goes on to say that lobbyist Ezra Friedlander wrote on Twitter that he was invited as a plus one to the Muslim congressional staff uh, staffer is staffer iftar dinner. The iftar is the meal Muslims eat after sunset during the month of Ramadan. Friedlander said he utilized the opportunity to lay the foundation for future communication with Ilan Omar and Rashid Talib. So the justification for him uh, talking to them, and I guess there was a picture taken, is that he wanted to lay a foundation of communication. First thing I want to say is that I I don't agree. I don't agree with what was done. And and. And I'm, I'm sure we'll hear from him tomorrow, hopefully on this program. We'll hear context and we'll hear why he did what he did from, from his mouth. And I'm all for giving somebody the ability to defend themselves and to speak out the decisions they made. So I'm not going to be on here attacking somebody. Um, this headline and this this the adjectives that are used in this story are, I don't know, a little bit childish. <laughs> um, well, first of all, uh, you have to go. You have to take a couple of steps back, Nachi. Uh, there, there's a lot of animosity for a very long time between Yeshiva World News and Ezra Friedlander. They're very critical of of, of a lot of things that he does, and um, a lot of things he does are good. I know Ezra Friedlander for many decades, and a lot of the things uh, gets under your skin because it does like the. Writer said, smack of uh, self-promotion. I, I spoke to Ezra this morning. He's still in Washington. And we're going to have him on the program uh, tomorrow morning. He said he's very cool about it. Mm-hmm. He said, I, I told him what he did was disgraceful. And uh, it, does, it does damage to the Jewish brand in general. Yeah. Not necessarily, not to Hasidim, not to modern Orthodox, not to Zionists, not to non-Zionists. It does damage to Jews. Now, now let's, creating- let's, let's, let's really uh, break that down for our listeners. So uh, you have two extremely anti-Semitic uh, representatives here that call for the annihilation of Israel and are they're just they're, they're straight up anti-Semites and I don't think they deny, they deny that themselves. So one would say, well, what's the problem? Someone is seen in a picture with 
uh, Ezra Friedlander, what's the worst that could happen? So I personally think that what it does is it gives the, these repu- these uh, representatives, it gives them ammo and say, hey, look, we have relationships with Jews. How could we be anti-Semitic? Right? Like that's the best. That's like the most um, common thing a, an anti-Semite or a racist will say. How can I be a racist? I have black friends. How can I be an anti-Semite? I have Jewish friends. Ilan Omar, yeah, but how, can I, how can I be an anti-Semite? Here I spoke to Ezra Friedlander, whereas her policies and her positions are are disgusting. Well, first of all, um, uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot to discuss just in those few words uh, that you said. First of all, um, when, I, when I spoke to Ezra uh, this morning and I told him that it's done a lot of, it's a lot of damage to Jews, for any time we show critics and um, haters of the Jewish people and uh, people that uh, work for the destruction uh, of the state of Israel, of Eretz Yisrael. Uh, anytime you uh, befriend people like that, you give them uh, you give them encouragement and you give them strength, and you give uh, you give uh, ear to, you give oxygen uh, uh, to their efforts. And you, even though they may know in their heart of hearts that what they're doing is 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 bad and wrong, because uh, their objective is to hurt people and to condone. They condone the murder of Jews, yeah. plain and simple. Straight up, they don't condemn. They don't condemn terror attacks. They uh, encourage them, and they are amongst the people that celebrate them. They condemn. So they, based, they condemn IDF activity. They condemn when the IDF eliminates terrorism, uh, but they don't condemn the attacks of innocent Jews. No, they don't. Listen, go, going back to Yasser Arafat days, uh, before you were even dreaming about doing something like this, and Mohammed Abbas days of the Palestinian Authority. You know, the, when the presidents of the United States used to condemn, used to urge them to condemn terror attacks, they would only say, and I've, I think I've discussed this in this forum before, they would always say, I condemn attacks against innocent Jews. Okay, guess what? To them, there's no innocent Jews in Israel because every Jew, whether you're male or female, uh, has an obligation on some occupation? level to, to serve in the Israel Defense Force. You know, yeah. it could be you're not could be you're not in the military. It could be you're going to volunteer to work at a nursing home or in a hospital, or you're going to work in intelligence. But uh, you, so when 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 Arab leaders, when terrorists say are forced to condemn violence, and they say I condemn the uh, uh, the uh, attacks on innocent Jews, it's a trick statement because yeah. to them there's no no such thing as as innocent Jews. And um, and that includes Ezra Friedlander, you know. They're looking. Uh, this is not a friendship. Uh, and all, and what the what the writer on Yeshiva World News is saying is, uh, even though it's, it's it has a hostile tone to it, he's not he's not wrong uh, because it is about promoting himself. Um, he is getting a lot of attention, and you know they say uh, there's only one thing. Uh, worse uh, than people talking bad about you, and that's when that's when they don't talk about you at all. So he's well, certainly I don't, I don't know uh, accomplishing. I, I don't know if I ascribe to that. I think uh, <laughs> I think people talking well, bad no, about this, you. Well, no, this no. Well, people, but but in his business, people uh, people are talking about him today in our yeah. community, and they're talking about him in Washington. And who knows? Some of the uh, more unknown. Um, leftist uh, members of Congress might be thinking about uh, you know having a conversation with Ezra Friedlander and engaging his him, him professionally to uh, represent them to the Jewish community. And let me tell you something else, Naki. Uh, Ezra Friedlander is not the first Jew that 
uh, Ilan Omar or Rashida Tlaib came in contact with. There's plenty of liberal Jews. More than 50% of American Jews do, uh, do not uh, support uh, Israel properly and are in favor of establishing a Palestinian state in a lot of territory that currently is is the state of Israel. So it's it's a man bites dog story. That's what I told Ezra this morning. This is a man bites dog story. You know what that is. If a dog bites a man, it doesn't get on the news because dogs bite people every single day. But when a guy goes out and bites a dog, now that's a story. Anyway, yeah. this is your this is your typical man bites uh, dog uh, dog story. Was he anyway, receptive? Was he receptive to your criticism, or did he? Uh... Oh no, he he said, "Listen, he's very cool about it." Uh, I've been to a lot of events of his. You know, he sponsors a lot of events. I went to Washington with him a couple of times. You know, he hangs around. Uh, he, he leans Democrat. Um, he leans Democrat. Let him, he can explain himself tomorrow about why Democrats have, so, have changed so dramatically. And they really are not friends of the American Jewish community. And then it's certainly not friends of Israel, if that means anything to anybody. Right. And... Um, uh, he has a lot to answer for, I think, to his own community. Uh, but uh, you know what? He's no different than the Natura Carta that uh, will be protesting uh, on Yom Atzmaut next week. That's a, that's a very that's a very harsh claim to compare well, him to listen, Natura Carta. Well, they're they're well they're crazy, and um, I'm not saying that he's crazy. He's a little bit more calculating uh, than them, I think. But um, they do what they do because they have a, a position and a philosophy that uh, does damage to Israel and to Jews. If you do damage to Israel, you're doing damage to Jews, okay? Yeah. You want to talk about Zionism, you don't support Zionism and secular Zionism, you don't support this, you don't support that. That's not the point. You're doing damage to Jews. You're hurting Jews and you are potentially participating in harm that will physically and violently injure Jews down the road. Because you know what? They have, they have a right to come out of a meeting, and even though they support and don't criticize when innocent brothers and sisters are killed in Israel, they'll come away from that meeting with yeah. uh, Friedlander, and they'll say, you see, there are Jews that agree with us. Yeah. And by the you way... Know, I, I think that um, obviously, you know, Hopefully he still comes on tomorrow, even though we're clearly disagreeing with his actions that he that he took. Um, but I, I, I think- guarantee, I guarantee you, I guarantee you he'll be on tomorrow. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. And Nachi, if he's breathing, he'll be on tomorrow. <laughs> okay, God willing, we hope everyone is breathing. Um, but I, I, I want to say before I close the parentheses on this that um, it's one thing that if he met them at an event, you know, and and listen, you. you you're somewhere, you bump into somebody, and you could talk to them, and you accomplish what you accomplish. It's another thing to take a picture and then post it on Twitter. Like, that's a whole different ballgame here. And I think that the part that Yeshiva World is taking off- offense with is not necessarily that he even met them. Like, yeah, you bumped into them at a thing. I don't know. Uh, I probably wouldn't go over well, to them. I probably wouldn't go over to them. You know, uh, if I would, I, pro- I, I probably, not that I'm such some tough guy, but I'd it probably wouldn't be for a good reason, um, but the fact to to post a picture on on Twitter of it and, and to rationalize it, saying that we're laying a foundation, it it, it kind of brings up questions like, uh, well, would you meet with would you meet with a Hitler? Uh, would you meet with 
um, somebody who wanted to kill your family? Like, probably not. You probably wouldn't meet you with know, Hitler. Um, I mean, Barack Obama gets uh, criticized, was criticized, and still to this day <clears throat> is criticized because of his relationship and his support of Louis Farrakhan. And also, uh, and also, the, also Castro in Cuba. Indisputably um, uh, an anti-Semite. Well, what, would Ezra uh, Friedlander, would he meet with Louis Farrakhan? Does he see the importance of laying a foundation? Mm, what I foundation? Think, uh, that, that's a good. Well, let's ask him that. Make a note. Let's ask him that tomorrow. Yeah. <coughs> let's not forget to ask him that tomorrow. We'll let, we'll let him answer um, for himself tomorrow. You know, we don't want to come on here and our, our goal. We're not speaking uh, Lushan no. We're not trying to talk bad. We're just trying to. No. You know, here's a headline. Here's a story that's making waves. And here we want to dig a little deeper and find out. You know what is truly going on in the background, and we want to give somebody the ample opportunity to defend themselves or to speak to what this is. So, you know, we look forward to having Ezra on on the program tomorrow to talk to this. If you have any questions that you want us to to ask Ezra, please feel free to leave it in the comments on YouTube or send us an email at the Daily Thread at meaningfulminute.org. I know there's another story that you wanted to bring up. This took place on an LL flight. No, it just it caught my attention early this morning, uh, and uh, every time this happens, it uh, it catches my attention. Uh, a plane was flying from Tel Aviv into the JFK here in New York, and a, a young man, a 60-year-old teenager, uh, had an allergic reaction to something that he ate, <clears throat> and he was uh, having some trouble uh, breathing. And they announced uh, on the plane, and I've heard it, you know, Baruch Hashem, I've traveled back and forth many times over the years. And on occasion, on rare occasion, I've heard in the middle of the night, you know, one of the flight attendants making an announcement, is there a doctor on board? Please, uh, you know, uh, uh, notify or make yourself known to one of the flight attendants uh, because we have a, a medical situation on board. Okay, so this it so happens that the 60-year-old was having uh, difficulty breathing because of an allergic uh, reaction to something that he ate. Uh, and uh, um, uh, and they made this announcement on the plane. And the story was about a doctor. I don't have the name of the doctor now. It's in the story that I sent you. doctor came forward and uh, helped him out. And they had some emergency kits with... Um, EpiPens uh, on board. The kid was carrying an EpiPen, but it was expired. Uh, but they had uh, one on board. He was able to help him and get him to breathe. And the flight didn't have to make a, an emergency landing and continued on uh, to New York. And I'm sure he got the medical attention that he uh, needed once once he landed. The thing, and this is uh, this is something that I've been thinking about for a very long time. And I really should have asked people at El Al when I, I visited them when they changed ownership about two years ago. But how is it? How is it that um, you know when when you get interviewed by security at JFK, when you get on even in, in even in Ben Gurion Airport, they know everything about you. Yeah, they they ask you they ask you what yeshiva you went, what your uh, mother in law's first name is. Uh, they want to know uh, you know uh, what did you what did you study in uh, in high school. Uh, they want to know uh, you know all these questions about. It. They want to know who packed your suitcase for you, who put your socks in, who put your shoes in. They know everything about you before they let you on a plane. Why don't they know who the doctors are on a plane? If three hundred and fifty people are flying from Tel Aviv to New York, it has to be that there's at least ten different types of medical professionals. You're saying, uh, on the plane. You're saying how they should be able to know exactly where a doctor is sitting on board and approach them. Yeah, Naki, they 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 know everything. Well, maybe it's a they privacy thing. Maybe maybe they maybe it's a privacy thing. A doctor does, does a doctor <laughs> who's not on duty have a responsibility 
to um, be on call. Maybe they're trying yeah. to find someone who's willing. Uh, when they make an announcement, are there any doctors on board? Maybe it's, are there any doctors on board who are willing to assist? Uh, maybe it's uh, not- you think it'll be a doctor that's going to say, I'm a doctor, but I don't want to help anybody. I'm, I'm sleeping now. I don't think uh, that profession works that way. I happen to know, and you know him too, he passed away last year, Dr. Alan Bennett, yeah. who is uh, your uncle and my brother's uh, machutin. My uncle? Uh, Dr. Alan, uh, your uncle Benjamin's machutin. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, okay, you got you to gotta stay focused, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and he and his son told me, as a matter of fact, he told me this when I went to be Menachem Marvel shortly after he he passed away. He told me when his father would get on a plane to Eretz Yisrael, he'll tell the flight attendants, "I'm Dr. Alan Bennett. I'm sitting in row 31B, 31C, AC. If you need anything, that's where I am. Just call on me." That's and that's the way to do things. And and I believe me, the 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 security mechanism in the airlines has the ability to know who's who. Well, there must be but a reason why they don't do it like that then, no? You think they don't know? May, or maybe the stewardesses are not privy to that information. I don't know. Nah, I think they just don't do it. You know why? Because why? they don't do it. <laughs> they don't do it because they don't They do not do it because they don't do it. And they should start doing it. I don't think it's a reason. Uh, why do you have to make an announcement at 3 a.m.? Is there a doctor on board? What, what are we living in, 1961? Yeah. Is there a doctor on board? They know everything about you. you know, they know who packed and your then, socks. And then there's that old, and then there's that old bit. Where the Jewish mother sitting next to her son in the plane says, "That could have been you. That could have been you. You don't see them asking for an accountant, honey. They're asking for a doctor." But listen. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's something you have to uh, concern yourself with. I mean, they put your suitcases through uh, uh, X-ray machines. Uh, they carefully look at your carry-on bag, and you know if you forget to if you forget to pack your uh, your your Gamara, they tell you, oh, by the way, Mister Schwartz, you forgot to pack your Gamara. I don't see it in any of your suitcases. They know everything. Yeah. So why don't they know? Why don't they should know this too? That's well, just the well, point. We're going to have to ask our friends at Alal in one of our Daily Threat special editions. Um, maybe on the way to Israel, but um, something happening this year, which I don't remember the last time it happened, but I know the barber shops are gonna be pretty packed this Friday because this Friday Rosh Chodesh is coinciding with Erev Shabbos, and although it is Sfira, according to the Mishnah Brura, not only are you allowed to shave and get a haircut, but it is, I think, encouraged to go ahead and shave and get a haircut. Lekavet Shabbos, Lekavet Rosh Chodesh. It's a mitzvah to, so I guess you could shave and take a haircut too, I guess. Yeah, that's right? that's pretty so cool. That all, breaks up Sphira. All those guys walking around with these straggly looking uh, beards. I think they're going to keep it. No, I think they're going to keep it. I think that I think that there's some sort of uh, oh, manhood. A sign. I think it's a manhood. It's, like, it's a pride. That, it's like. That's an international signal of that it's Sphira. So yeah. You're, you're telling me that they're going to they're gonna take a haircut tomorrow. And they're not going to shave. People that shave. No, I think they're going to. I think they're going to. No, I think you're going to see a lot of clean shaven guys. I really think so. Uh, over Shabbos, what are you going to go to the barber and say, "Don't shave my beard"? No, I don't yeah, think they're going to go to the barber altogether. I think they're just going to, you know, they're they're going to lean into the fact of, listen, I'm not going to take a haircut or shave for 49 days. Big big deal. Uh, well, you know, I think the, you can equate. Here, tell me if I'm wrong, but the people. Who go to Dunkin' Donuts in Erev Pesach to get that last bagel in? You can equate them to the people that are going to be going to the barber shop on Friday to get a haircut. No, well, uh, there, there are some people like uh, the Chabad Hasidim, 
Lubavitch could see them do not shave, of course, ever, usually. Yeah. Uh, or they don't take a haircut for the whole 49 days, no matter what it is. Like yeah. Bomer, anything else. They just don't don't take a haircut and they don't shave. They don't shave anyway. But that's a whole different subject for a different time. <clears throat> but they don't take haircuts. And I don't think they're taking haircuts tomorrow either. It's not required to take a haircut. And if you are waiting for that opportunity, like Rosh Chodesh, Erev Shabbos, it's going to be like last night with the 13th of Sphira. So that means that, uh, what, 20 days? That means in three weeks it's going to be uh, like Bomer. So you'll be able to shave again. And then, you know, people are going to start making weddings. Yeah. But uh, Sphira has shrunk over the years. <laughs> it, used to be 40, it used to be 49 days. Now I think there's about 13 days that you can't take a haircut or shave. You know, it shrunk a lot. Yeah. People are making weddings. Up to Rishkodesh, people are making weddings. And basically, Sphira seems to exist between Rishkodesh, which is um, Friday and Shabbos, right? Uh, Shabbos is the first of Eir. Uh, and then, uh, then like Omer, is about uh, 19 days later. So 49 days of Sphira basically gets uh, uh, chopped down to 19 days. For some. For some. Um but uh, listen, the, the importance is to embrace Sphere on the inside for what it stands for. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see who's clean shaven on, on Friday. And uh, listen, I'm very excited about tomorrow's episode of Daily Thread. Hopefully we're able to get some clarity and give Ezra the ability to defend his actions and to speak for, him, speaks for, for himself. I think it's a lost art in the firm world um, or, or in the world in general, not the firm world specifically, but in the world, the lost art is is being able to have nuanced conversations and to be able to disagree with someone, yet speak to them to their face and not talk about them, but to also speak to them. Um, and, I, and I think that's what we're right. trying to do here on the Daily Thread is we're not that's, trying to pass we're judgment. We're not trying to pass judgment on people. We're not trying to just say, oh, this person is a this and this and this because they did that. I could disagree with him, but I could also say, hey, listen, like we could have a conversation about that. And sure. I, guess we'll I, find think you, I think we're going to have you're going to have that. We're not going to call not going to call names, you know, um, just uh, have a different a respectable difference. But, you know, it's pretty ironic uh, what, I, what I just said, though, because what I just said is that we can I can disagree with someone. You'd have a conversation and maybe he'll say the same thing. I could disagree with Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, but I can have a conversation with them. Yeah, I, but he has for, to because for me, yeah. The offense is posting it on social media and sort of taking pride in it. That's that's it for me. I've, you well, want to you want to speak to them and you want to exchange words, okay? But like the fact that you have to publicize that, that's where you lose me. Okay, that's a that's a very good point. Uh, because if you wanted to get something concrete done secretly behind the scenes, yeah, you should have quiet type of uh, conversation, type of backroom communication. That and, and if something absolutely just done, gets done and there's some kind of breakthrough of a meeting of the minds down the road, you announce it then, yeah. not on the first day that you meet. Yeah, 100%. Okay, well, thank you, everyone, for tuning into The Daily Thread. Welcome to our new subscribers. We're so happy to have you on board. And if you have not yet subscribed, then join the family. Hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening on Apple or Spotify or YouTube. We're happy to have you here. Leave a comment. Introduce yourself. Welcome to the Daily Thread family, and we will speak to you tomorrow.